Welcome back to Xander and Hanley on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. 2-2 swing and a miss strike three. Beat him on 97 off the outside for his first strikeout. Swing and a miss strike three on a slider. Back-to-back K's for Michael. Michael has a sign from Yaz. And here's the 3-2. Swing and a miss strike three. Kopech just struck out the side. Got him looking on a slider. Candelario strikes out looking. Seven strikeouts for Kopech. 3-2. Swing and a miss strike three. Third straight punch out. He's got nine in the game. 0-2. Swing and a miss strike three. That's ten for Kopech. How about that? Michael King, White Sox, 11 Ks yesterday. What a performance over last time. Kind of seems like what Dylan Cease was doing last year, wildly inconsistent. Does he have a Dylan Cease-like future? Well, we certainly hope so. Welcome in Saturday morning. It's ESPN 1000, Xander and Hanley. Brian, that was uh, certainly a bright spot, although I I was just uh, banging my head against the wall at the (laughs) lack of offense just still. And thankfully, thankfully, Andrew Vaughn came through. But boy, it is a tough watch. Even even as entertaining as Michael Kopech was, it is a tough watch still. Nothing nothing comes easy for you to call the White Sox. It's always something. And um, boy... uh, they're now nine and eight in the uh, latest stretch where they were going to make a big run, right? But wait a minute, this is the easy part of the schedule. That's what well, that I was it. Told. Yeah, in the twenty games against losing teams, they're now nine and eight. So uh, my math, they, they've got a few more. Wait, there. that means we're a losing team. Well, uh, not officially, but no. you know, yeah. No, yeah. Hey, we hit we hit above uh, we hit three above five hundred temporarily, sure. but we did. But now find yourself a game over 500. But, yeah, yeah. but it, it's still early because that's all I keep hearing. But, you know. It is good, not early. It is the, so the, not early. <laughs> <laughs> the good news is Michael Kopech looked really, really good after he said he didn't feel so good between starts and actually, you know, going into that game. He didn't yeah, here's so the not feeling well, right? Yeah. But 85 pitches, and, and Tony says, well, no-nos are nice, but not tonight, Mike. Yeah, did, does that bother you? It does not bother me as much as it's bothered White Sox Twitter that I've been seeing since last night. People are just losing their minds. It's like there are so many other things to lose your mind about. Keeping Michael Kopech in, a guy who needs confidence, and any longer, if that thing went off the rails, that just ruins what he's already done. We have a bullpen. I'm okay with it. There, there are. Uh, I think there's a no hitter in the kid's future, but uh, not not yesterday. Yeah, I, I mean, look, Tony Larusa doesn't stand alone in this idea that uh, no hitters. I don't know if overrated is the word, but we now see you know three and four guys combined for no hitters and being celebrated, which to me is not the same thing. But okay, no, it's not at all. It's not at all. Yeah. That's a recent phenomenon that I don't understand. But you know, look, uh, we talked about it last week. You know, is there I mean, it, it seems to be damning Michael Kopech, but is there a part of, you know, some sort of part of diva to his the approach? You know, he's he's bowed out. He's come, had Tommy John surgery. They're hand, handling him, obviously, very conservatively. But when you see him on like that, I mean, this is the guy that everyone envisioned as he made his trek through the, the Sox farm system, right? Everyone was anticipating 
that he was going to be the start of the staff when he finally arrived and got in the rotation. Now, he had hiccups and, and uh, obstacles along the way, and you're still not sure exactly how he slots in. But when he gives you a game like last night, obviously, you know, no one's argued that the, the talent isn't there. It certainly is there. It's just consistently can it be their start to an end of the season. We haven't seen that yet. Right. Uh, we've got audio here on Tony keeping Kopech in. Let's hear that. That's as far as he should have gone. For this, for this game, for the rest of the year, for his career. But he was, in fact, people think I'm old school. I'm really new school. I would change the definition of a win. If we win the game, he's got to get the win. I don't break a little bit of his heart, but, you know, a game like that, we score after he leaves. But, yeah, I, I know I was aware where it was. I knew it wouldn't be popular, but. I don't want to have regret. Yeah, you know, every time he had been happy, he wanted, he wanted to go back out there because he really had good command of his fastball. But you know, you reach back for extra when you're tired, when you get into that limit, that's bad things happen. So, very difficult. I felt the right thing to do, and you know, and, uh, it was my decision. But Ethan also felt the same way. That helps. I haven't agreed with everything that Tony's done this year, not even close, but that I'm okay with. I'm just okay with it. Um, He's looking out for him, and I think it's important that he got out of the game before things went bad. That way he retains that confidence because he has been up and down this year, Brian. And I I mean, I get what he's saying that, you know, you hate to see a guy get no decision after going out there and doing what he did for six innings. I don't know how you would, so, okay, because he had no, I mean, Tony didn't go the step further and tell me how that, how you would define the win instead, you know, instead of going old school and saying you left with a lead and, and you, you pitched your five innings. So the win's going to be yours as long as you maintain that lead. Is it just subjective? Does the official scorer say, well, yeah, that Kopech was the, the reason they won the game. So, I mean, I get what he's saying because you want to credit, give him some mm-hmm. credit or yeah. give him more credit than he got. He got a, a no decision. I don't know what that looks like, uh, how you would define a win, you know, necessarily when you did pull them and there was no score at the time. So, well, it's been like that for years, right? There are pitchers that have deserved a W in certain situations, but officially didn't get it. Uh, You know, it's all about him knowing that he performed well. It's all about him building on this performance. Next time we see him out, hopefully he doesn't slide back. There have been a few comparisons, not direct comparisons between him and Cease, because right now it's night and day. However, we remember Dylan Cease last year having some really bad outings where he was trying to paint the corner. It wasn't happening. He got really buried under the pitch count, and he was gone after four innings. And this year, he really straightened that out. And boy, it would be nice if that was in Michael's future. But we'll have to take it game by game. But yesterday, much better than than the last time he pitched. But we still need offense, Brian. And we're going to see the Astros. (laughs) You think? We are going to see the Astros this week. And they are unforgiving. You know, the Tigers, it's this phenomenon that we play down to our competition, it seems. Well, because, Thursday night, I mean, or Thursday afternoon. Oh, oh, that, I mean, oh, 
I, I could I couldn't even watch it. I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I had some things to do. It was a beautiful you, wait, day. You tweeted you tweeted out that you were going to be eating straw. He had like I was chewing straw like a country boy. I'm just sitting chewing straw the dreams on my tractor. Game was that nice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in the mood. Although I was missing that the White Sox were there, and I didn't miss. I I, I missed Harry Carey, but I don't ever want to oh, see anybody boy. dress like no. him. No, and no, that's no, another no, no. that's another situation. No, no. Uh, you know, that's that's trying that's trying too hard we, we, but yes, we, I, talked I about go, we talked about going to a hologram concert yeah yeah um yeah i tweeted out that i was going to be doing some yard work getting the car ready for the car show this weekend doing all the kinds of things but sitting and watching the socks because i knew if they had a bad performance it was going to bother me that i devoted my eyes and ears for three hours on an afternoon, so I listened on the on the, most uh, on the ESPN the app, summer, which is which is uh, what's that on the most beautiful day of the summer. Yes, yeah. and it was a be- and that was that was the deciding factor. It's like this is a beautiful day. I can't be inside. My TVs are in the house. I don't have a TV in the backyard. I can't be out. So I'm going to listen on the app, and I'll I'll be damned. <laughs> that was the greatest decision because I heard the whole game on the app, and I'm so glad I got something done because that was painful just listening. Bases and not because Lion and DJ's call. Oh, no, bases loaded, nobody out, no runs. Um, uh, yeah. If there was a trophy for that, Brian, if there was a trophy – MLB trophy at the end of the year, we would be proud owners of that on the south side. Well, the uh, the Chicago White Sox currently rank tenth um, in the American League with a two hundred nine batting average with the bases loaded. Which I'm is, surprised uh, it's I'm surprised it's uh, it's that high that yeah, there, there yeah. are a few teams behind them. Uh, yeah, thirty nine points lower than they were last season. Not exactly ripping the cover off the ball last season, but. Uh, it's the, the entire week. It's you know the same. This is the same week they've had uh, about twelve of them so far this year, right? Win one, look good. Find, you know, you get a nice pitching performance. I've lost count. It's, it's been way too many. Yeah. Um, but we, we'll get into it. And the Bears are going to take uh, the field today for their first preseason game. And that's uh, exciting. Mark Potash from the Sun Times is uh, will will call, join us from the uh, press box at Soldier Field because we have a noon kick on the uh, the Chiefs coming to town. And the plan is that Justin Field is going to be out there for 15, 20 snaps. Now, did you see what happened uh, with uh, Zach Wilson last night? Yes, uh, I did. Yes, I did. And that plays into the hands of Matt Nagy's, our, our previous coach, and, and his uh, philosophy yeah, is losing that, uh, a quarterback to a major injury in preseason. It didn't even get hit. Um, took a bad step uh, on a rollout and came up with a knee injury. They don't believe it's an ACL, but they're going to have a, uh, more tests done today, and they'll know more about it. But it could be, you know, th- this is the danger because Cairo Santos was out there kicking uh, field goals at Soldier Field and gave us the report. He's like, it's already this crappy? Is that possible? Well, usually it's midseason where you start seeing spray painting the, dark, the, the dirt spots because there's no grass growing. <laughs> Right. And, I, and I mean, I, I used to cover games and they had a sod crew, right? The, the, the sod squad would literally during TV timeouts, there'd be 12, 10, 12 guys sideline to sideline going and replacing huge divots, right? And stomping them down. But somebody's got to call the sod father, although he's busy right now on the south side. Well, they, they, but, well, they had a, they had an Elton John concert there last uh, beginning of the week. Last yes, week they did. There. Yeah. Uh-huh. Then, you know, they've had soccer games. And again, you, you, you have this long shot 
belief, fantasy, uh, mayor life, that you're going to get the Bears to stick around, which you're not. But this is the problem. You know, when you have a concert at Wrigley Field, they they cordon off the infield, right? No one can sit there or stand there and, and watch their favorite band. They preserve at least the infield grass. Um, that isn't what happens when you have concerts at Soldier Field. Every every inch of available space goes to a, a seat or a, a paying you know ticket. So yep, it's scary to think if the 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 field is that bad. Is there something in the back of your mind saying eh, maybe Justin Field doesn't need to be out there for fifteen to twenty snaps? Maybe maybe you just don't do that right now. But well, we'll, well, we'll talk about yeah, things to watch today. Yeah, yeah, we we have plenty to talk about. We have a pull up at ESPN one thousand on Twitter. We'll get to that and more when we come back here on ESPN one thousand. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Xander and Hanley on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Mark Potash of the Chicago Sun-Times joins us at 10 a.m. this morning to talk about the first preseason game. We'll get into the facade conditions, what we can expect to see, the Roquan Smith situation, which just seems to be weird. It looks like he overplayed his hand, but we're talking White Sox now. 312-332-3776. Brian, we've got a poll up on ESPN 1000, at ESPN 1000 on Twitter. Who has been the biggest disappointment for the White Sox this year? Now, I could have put Tony in one of these slots, but we're just talking players that actually play the game because for a lot of people, it's not about the coach, it's about the players. And our choice is him or Tim Anderson, Yasmani Grandal, Yuan Moncada. And I threw Lucas Giolito in there too because certainly he has not been on the top of his game like he has in previous years. So if you want to weigh in on that, hit us up on Twitter or hit us up here at 312-332-3776. So you didn't have a problem with Tony pulling Kopech in the interest of – you know, trying to try to just save his arm as opposed to push him over the line for a no hitter. I mean, you know, I don't think he would have gotten it. I think he would have eventually given up a hit and maybe, maybe got into some trouble. Man. No, I, I look, I have no issue with that. Now I have issue with people who don't have issues with a manager because I, <laughs> right. Two things, both things can be true. At the but same do time. managers matter? Uh, well, I, I'm, okay. I'm only kidding. I'm not going to open well, no, up. Well, no, you know, and I get, I, I get that they they get too much of the credit and too much of the blame. I I do, but both things can be true. The teams can players can underachieve and not give you a full effort, consistent effort, and all that, and can underperform and underachieve. But at the same time, a manager does set a tone. Yep. A manager does set whatever accountability there is or is not. And if you're going to say it doesn't, you know, Tony, Tony's part of the problem. He's not the problem. Okay. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I, t- I tweeted out after the Thursday debacle when they went, what, two for 13 with runners in scoring position and they had three innings, including the bases loaded, nobody out, and second and third, nobody out, and no runs to show for it. That if I, I tweet out, if I was a GM with actual authority, Rick Hahn, I would have been waiting in his office to tell him he gone. And it would have been about the 10th game this season that I could have. 10 games too late, but yes. I mean, there were, there, but you know, and, and it doesn't matter. Okay. Tell the Philadelphia Phillies fans. It doesn't matter. Okay. Because uh, Joe Girardi, not there and the Phillies are trying to be a playoff team and, and are now in the thick of things. Right. It happened in Toronto. Right. 
it's just it, it Tony's had a week again, right? He he's mm-hmm. now defending Luis Robert for not running out. I mean, Steve Stone even called him on. Steve has yes, been, he did. Yes, he Steve did. has been very pro uh, happy go White Sox this season. He, he has not come down on him, but he's. I mean, there there too. have been times where you could read between the lines. He hasn't been super obvious, but this time he was like, you know, if if your philosophy is uh, don't run it out hard, don't run hard, don't. You know, go after it. You're not going to win many games, and you can't say it any plainer than that. Well, he said apparently hustle is an option. Hustling is an option, right. and and we talked about it initially when it came to light that they had the DNR list, the do not mm. run list, right? Yep. Yep. And it's like on a routine ball, don't run hard because you could get an owie on your hamstring or whatever. You could, okay. Well, routine balls turn into errors sometimes. So sometimes a guy boots a ball. And if Luis Robert hadn't, you know, lollygagged out of the box on that th- and, and in the game Thursday, um, he was out by an eyelash because the second baseman recovered and threw him out. If he had actually taken a meaningful step out of the box, he would have beat that out. You would have runners on the corners with nobody out. And yep, yep, you know, absolutely. But here's Tony. Oh well, you know, we came back. Don't worry. We we you know, Grandal gave us the two run home run. And we were rallying. Did anyone really think when it was four to two they were going to win that game? I certainly did not. But it's been a week, and see, this is when you when you kind of support the the halfway. Don't don't bust your butt. Don't you know it's a long season. We don't want people hurt, and we've had people hurt. Then when that happens, it's glaring, and and people make note of it and make comment on it. And you know, Luis Robert hustles ninety five percent of the time, but he didn't on that play. And, and, and look, when when you get caught like that, that's when it's going to be an issue. And not only that, Brian, but I really took issue with the fact that Tony reacted the way he did when he heard about what Johnny Cueto said. Oh, we need Johnny Cueto to have said this months ago. He did. He appears to be the leader. He appears to be the one willing to talk to the media and say what needs to be said. And Tony acted like, ooh, that's a curious statement. We should keep it in the family. Yep. Yeah, and, and you know what? I, I, I really – we started talking about this last week, and I really do believe this is true. This team, Tony has over-adjusted to the new way of playing baseball to the point to where he doesn't hold anybody accountable. Everybody's being treated with kid gloves, and this has become apparent because now the team has taken on his personality. Yep, Johnny Cueto came out and said, we, we better start showing the fire if we have any. If I mean, we have any. That's pretty damning. And yes, I'm, it you know, is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to side with Johnny Cueto on this. He's been around baseball a long, long time. He knows what it looks like. He knows when a team does have fire and does bring it every day and doesn't just pay lip service to it. And so when Tony did use the word, well, that's curious, and I tweet out, no, that's obvious. How about that? It's yes, it is. yes, it and, is. Yes, it is. And and then then you know yesterday before the game he's explaining away and rationalizing and and defending Luis Robert for not running it out. Let's take a listen because you know he said we'll we'll have that conversation if we need to, but he doesn't feel like you need to right now. We're gonna yeah. I, I thought last year we were we were not very good. Not very good. No. I think this year we went through this. We had. Uh, these four guys with leg injuries that were good enough to play if we didn't push it. I know it all of a sudden gets magnified yesterday with, uh, you know, when Robert said, hey, but, but uh, I also see 
Robert in a position where he's taking care of his legs. He throws a routine ball and then looks bad, looks really bad. But uh, you see him go on the bases when, he, when he's got a chance. It's hard to say he's not hustling. So I'm watching him in the outfield running balls down. So I don't think we're perfect, but I think we're, you know, we're doing well enough. That's selective hustling, Brian. <laughs> and, and, and you're you're playing with fire when you even verbalize that you know, hey, be careful out there. If it's routine, don't don't bust because you could bust something. You could hurt. We're, he says it, it, it's a bad look, and not only that, but the opposing teams they hear this, they see what's it, going on. They don't have to rush the throw because they know that they're not going to be going. Hey, look, he just said we're not perfect, but what do you say? We're perfect enough. You're a 500 team. No, okay? that's not perfect enough. That isn't. That's not the. the There's that, perfect and, and and imperfect. There's no in between. Yeah, that, I mean, and you're not perfect enough. The, the fact that you've been squarely a 500 team for a year now, going back to the middle of last season, you know, it, it's it's so frustrating. And look, I told you that you know that I I toe tagged them a week ago Friday. Um, and, you did, and they just went. And put another took another week off the calendar doing the same stuff they've been doing the entirety of the season. So why would I expect anything different? It's hard to. 312-332-3776. Up against the break. Jim from downtown is waiting patiently. We'll get to him and your calls right here on ESPN 1000. There are millions of places to get ESPN Chicago. There are smart speakers, phones, podcasts, standing in front of the old National Bank studio on State Street. Hello. There's Twitch.tv, FMHD, and of course, the original ESPN 1000 on the AM dial. We're glad you found us. And so are these very patient hosts, Mark Zander and Brian Henn. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Taking your phone right. calls on Saturday morning. ESPN one thousand. We've got baseball today. We have football today. Yeah. Mark Potash coming up at ten a.m. to talk about the Bears. He'll be talking to us from uh, the press box at uh, the press box that is from Soldier Field. We've got Jim from downtown wants to jump on and talk socks on ESPN one thousand. Hey Jim. Good morning, gentlemen. I, I, I just I'm a Sox fan since nineteen fifty nine. It took eighty eight years to win a World Series. And I don't expect another one. Maybe we'll get one in uh, the rest of my lifetime. I don't know. But we're not exactly the juggernauts of baseball. The Cubs are 108 years. So, I mean, I don't know what's going on in between time. That's just anybody's guess. But the Sox, I thought on paper, looked like a great team. It looked like one of the best teams they've had since I've been a fan. The problem is it's like having a great racehorse that you're trying to get to the track. And... uh, you can't get him into the starting gate. Uh, but, uh, I mean, we've already passed all mathematic possibilities. You have two teams in the same city, and I went for hundreds of years. It's mathematically impossible, but we seem to do it. St. Louis, on the other hand, uh, they seem to feel a good team uh, consistently. Uh, yeah. the, Yan- the same with New York. They seem to feel good teams consistently. Is it money? Is it? scouting, whatever it is. Anyway, thanks for taking my call, guys. You guys have a good yeah, morning. Yeah. Thank thanks, you. James. Thanks Jim brings up a uh, yeah. yeah good point. We we talked to, to your uh, to your friend from uh, St. Louis. Gould, yeah. yeah, yeah, a few weeks back about how they keep fielding a solid, solid team. Look, winning matters down there. 
And winning doesn't seem to matter here. It's more about money. I mean, that's the only assumption we can make as fans because you can throw money at the problem. We just don't seem to be willing to do that here. And one thing I will say, it became it became apparent to me this past week, and it's been rolling around in my head. You know, Rick Harn, first of all, we don't know how much control he has. A lot of people said it's it's all up to Jerry, and certainly it is with Tony La Russa, but we don't hear enough about Kenny Williams. You know, how much does he have to say? What? How much is up to him? Who is really the gatekeeper of the money and, and the philosophy? But, you know, Rick was right in coming into this season thinking that if the core, and we know who the core is, you, you, you're um, uh, Luis Robert, Aloy Jimenez, Yasmani Grandal, Moncada, Vaughn Abreu, only, uh, you know, Vaughn's been playing great, and Abreu is certainly, um, you know, being Jose Abreu, especially in hot weather. But to expect that we're going to get the most out of these players, you have to go in and expect that and and dealing with the injuries and then dealing with them not playing up their potential. This just goes to show Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams that you have to plan for the worst. And they did not make a plan for the worst case scenario. And this has certainly been the worst case scenario. They were just hoping for the best because we certainly on paper, as Jim said, we have the talent. It just for a lot of different reasons hasn't worked. Well, look, they, they have spent some money but it hasn't really paid any dividends. And, and Grandal, okay, it's great they had a two-run home run the other day. Um, the fact of the matter is he has not lived up to that contract. Um, not, also, not at all. Not at all. And, and you know, he's, he's got a 204 batting average and, and 566 OPS. He's not even walking like he did last year. No. Which and, helped. And, you know, so you have the Dallas Keuchel stuff. I mean, that was money not well spent. Um, Yohan Mankata looks like that's a lot of money that's still owed in the future that it doesn't look like it's going to be well spent because he gives you some moments or a game or two, but he doesn't give you a season since 21 or 20. Um, here's the biggest problem. Mark Gonzalez in the Sun-Times uh, looked it up today. The, the White Sox entered last night's game swinging at 36.4% of the pitches outside the strike zone, the highest percentage in the American League, according to Fangrass. It's about approach. It's about plate discipline. It's about mm. knowing situations. It's about being clutch. It's about knowing when to to look for a pitch to drive. And you can't, you know, we, we talked about their, their futility when they have the bases juiced and they just don't get it done. And they don't have those luxuries to to be last or in the team picture for a lot of these. You know, we, we, we documented and talked about it ad nauseum, but they don't hit home runs. And, right. and Tony, Tony was funny the other day because he was asked about it. And he's like, well, you know, we've had a lot of warning track fly balls. When the balls hit, you're like, whoa, <laughs> hey. And then you're like, no. And, and he said it happened in Kansas City several times. What does well, that know, matter? What it does doesn't, that matter? It's just I mean, a big excuse. It's such a waste of time. Yeah. You should have said, yes, you're right. We haven't hit a, right. enough home runs. And yeah. by the way, I miss home runs because you know what else they do beyond, you know, count as a run? They're exciting. Home runs are exciting. They're fun. The dugout should react to a home run. The dugout, the clubhouse should feel good if you know that you're capable on pretty much any given day of at least putting one in the seats, if not a couple. But anyway, you know, people are, uh, Twitter was on fire this week. You know, White Sox lead the league in singles. And I mean, it's just, 
it, it just it doesn't add up. It adds up to being what fifty six and fifty five. That's what it adds up to. It adds up to a five and five in your last ten. It adds up to this type of season mediocrity. And, and by the way, the, the Cleveland Guardians are on a six game win streak. Okay? Yep. And I told you, I told you they were more of a worry to me than the Twins. And look what's happening. There you go. And, and yeah. I mean, it, you'd be hard-pressed to make the case that there's a six-game win streak in the White Sox future. No. Between now and the end of the season. Just because I, of all I think the that that would Yes, I think that that would surprise the hell out of every White Sox fan if we saw a six-game win streak, which is, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a high bar for this year, but it shouldn't be. Not We've got Owen and, Owen and Willowbrook is uh, on the phone here. He wants to jump in, as he does each weekend here on ESPN 1000. Hey, Owen. Hey, guys. At the beginning of the show, you said who's the biggest disappointment. It's a hard choice, but, you know, it's got to be. I know. Moncada for you. But, but, but on top of that, that clip you played of Tony La Russa, he sounded like the lawyer. He's got a law degree. He sounded like a, a public defender. This, <laughs> That's the, a great this, point. Yeah. This 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 team has not been hustling all year, and fans should ask for refunds back. They spend their hard-earned money to see people not hustle. If you remember in 2005, Ozzie again had Uribe hit a fly ball to the warning track. Uribe stood at home plate and watched it. didn't move. Next inning, he was out of the game. Gian right. blasted him. And then Uribe went on to be one of the better players. And I'll tell you the difference between Uribe and Makata. And, you, and I noticed it last year. If you remember that play where Uribe went into the, in the World Series, went into the stands without worrying about getting hurt, made a great play. Last year in Houston, in a key point of the game, it was a play near the, near the wall. Makata went for the foul ball, pulled up, almost slipped and fell, and didn't get the, didn't get the foul ball. After that, they scored 300 runs. This team has not been hustling. And, and the guy who really deserves a big up, and I know everybody says who has, the, who has the purse strings, but if Hans the face of this team is a GM, he yeah. has enough for what he did, not only, at the, not only at the trading deadline, but for overrating this talent. They're a bunch of two-year-olds with no patience at the plate. They keep making errors, and they'll never win six games in a row because they don't do things right. Thanks, Owen. We appreciate it. Yeah, Owen uh, has a point. The talent was uh, not rated correctly, apparently. But then again, you know, uh, you know, you got to throw the injuries in there. I'm not using it as an excuse, Brian, but it it was it's real. And when they're on the field, they've come back from their various industry uh, um, injuries. They have not performed to potential. So, on paper, not getting a stud right fielder and a stud second baseman. I'm, I think Josh is good. Uh, you know, he's not that stud, but not getting those, that's what Han did because he valued the rest of the roster so highly. And that perhaps was the big, big mistake. We actually have audio. Uh, I wanted uh, Jake to find this. Thank you, Jake. I'm finding this. Darren Jackson on the radio call on ESPN 1000 had, had the perfect commentary on Luis Robert not hustling from the other day. Let's hear that right now. I think Luis took it for granted out of the box. He just thought it was a routine little ground ball, so he ran half speed about the first five, six steps and then turned it on, and there's the difference. I mean, it should be the opposite, Len. On every ball hit, it should be 
you have a reason to run hard until you don't rather than I'll run soft until I have a reason yep. not to. It's, yep. it's just got to be flipped. Darren Jackson for manager, please. I mean, <laughs> come on. Could it be that I, it's that simple? DJ had a perfect reasoning for that. It is that simple. You turn and burn until you know. I yep. mean, because that's avoiding injury too, right? Why would you run it out if you know that is it is going to be? It's not bobbled. It's a solid throw. You could pull up a little. What's the sure. difference? You're still kind of maintaining. And we know about Tony and his DNR list because he told us about it. Which is he, crazy. Right. It, 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 you can't make this stuff up. You really, really can't. And, and I will say this, Brian, and I'm going to probably way unfairly, but I'm going to compare Tony to another lawyer. Rudy Giuliani has ruined oh his reputation. Lord, why would you do now, that? Let, let, me, let, me, let me just say, let me finish this. I know it's a ridiculous, dramatic stretch. America's mayor's gone off the rails. <laughs> this is what he, that guy has ruined his legacy. Is this going to happen to Tony here in Chicago? Now, Tony didn't win a championship here, but he was certainly beloved uh, for what he did with the White Sox, winning ugly and all that kind of uh, thing. And and we thought him coming back. Yeah, and he is. He is. But I'm talking about here. Whatever goodwill he had here, is this going to be ruined because what's happening this year? Well, I mean, look, when the owner holds the, the front office and the fan base hostage because you're, he's writing some wrong from decades ago, I mean, that's just that's a horrific it's way a, to it's, operate. Yes, it's a first bad step, and yeah. it can only lead to worse. And then to be stubborn enough to, to continue on with this and, and you, know, no, you know, basically it's out there that Tony has to quit. He's never getting fired. Yep. Again, I I don't I'm not claiming, you know, I, I get guys like Fred Hugner, our buddy does. You might eight, point to eight games that, uh, give, you know, give or take bad or good that the manager impacts throughout a 162 season. I get it. But there are things that they do, like set a tone, hold people accountable. If not, why even have a, a guy in his 50s, 60s, 70s wearing a uniform every day, sitting at the end of the dugout or standing yep. on steps? I, I, I totally agree. I, they do matter. Uh, the degree of which is debatable. But I'll tell you something, those eight or 10 games that you're talking about right now, if we had those eight or 10 games, this would be a different situation. 312-332-3776. We'll be back to take your calls. Talking White Sox, Mark Potash of the Sun-Times joins us at 10 a.m. here to talk Bears on ESPN 1000. Welcome back to Xander and Hanley on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. There's record-setting pieces of this contract. I knew for a fact was, I thought was going to show him the respect that he deserves, and obviously that hasn't been the case. Uh, with that said, you know we can't lose sight that this isn't about one player. My job is to build a roster that's going to sustain su- success for a long period of time. That is Chicago Bears GM Ryan Poles on the Rokon Smith contract. What a, what a mess that we didn't see coming, did we, this year, Brian? No, we certainly didn't. I mean, Ryan Poles has had a week. Now, to his credit, he didn't pull a Ryan Pace and, and you know, not come front and center. He, he took on an issue that needed to be addressed head on. Uh, you know, Ryan Pace would speak at the beginning of the season. Then you wouldn't see him till the end of the season when they were explaining away how bad the season went. Um, this has gotten... In the last three days, now that was Wednesday when Ryan Poles went up to the podium 
because out of nowhere, no one saw the, well, you know, back up here. Roquan Smith is trying to get a record setting contract, apparently by all reports for a linebacker and wants to be paid somewhere in the neighborhood of a hundred million for five years. And he's 25 years old and there's no arguing. He's the best player on the roster. That's where but is he, is he the best, uh, is he top tier in the NFL? Well, what he is is an agent, and he doesn't have representation. And so when he put out in writing that he's been disrespected and basically it's been take it or leave it negotiations for Ryan Poles, a first-year GM, by the way, he was trying to, you know, get his uh, sea legs and and earn the respect not only within the building but around the league. So he put him in a, a real trick bag because in that trade request, he said, basically, you know, I should go talk to the McCaskies. I haven't had that opportunity. George McCaskey isn't Jerry Jones. George McCaskey lets people do their jobs. George McCaskey is not going to undercut Ryan Poles, certainly anytime, because that's not the way he operates, but certainly not on his first big you know, contract negotiation. The owner's not swooping in and saying, give the kid whatever he wants. You know, I get you want to save 5%, right? And you don't want to give some guy, an agent, um, a, a portion of your when salary. When you're talking that, you know uh, and I know you said I get it, and, and I, I do too. I mean, no one's doing it, at that, but, but right. you should do it. I mean, you, right? You, this is my point. This is my point. Five percent of all that money to not get your hands dirty and have a professional tied you is invaluable. Okay, and so Ryan Pohl said there's some record-setting uh, parts to this contract. Now, Ian Rappaport came out uh, a day later and said, "Well." It's a lot. It's a backloaded contract, mm-hmm. and no one, no one knows what the guaranteed money is. I mean, one thing about NFL contracts, Mark, and you know this, the numbers look great. I mean, how many years and what's the the total amount of money? It doesn't mean anything unless you know what the guaranteed money is, right? Because right, right. a lot of guys won't see the last two, three years of that contract in the the backloaded big money. So, this, so that that happens. You know, Ian Rappaport comes out and says that, which certainly you know muddies the situation. And then Mike Florio comes out yesterday and says, by the way, even though he doesn't have an agent, somebody on behalf of Roquan Smith, now this is Mike Florio's reporting, is calling teams around the league, which you can do if the team allows you to do it. I, I mean, that's if you're at a contract impasse and you see it in the NBA all the time, the team will tell the agent to go shop your guy and bring back a deal that makes sense. Right. That's when a contract is over with, right? Not well, when pretty you're much. certainly – He's still under contract for another year. And I'm just wondering, yeah, you know, he's overplayed his hand just a little bit here right now in this moment. Well, but the thing is, they haven't given Roquan Smith or anybody associated with Roquan Smith the permission to call other teams and look for a trade. And then so that's technically going to be tampering. And by by the NFL rules and bylaws, those teams have to tell the Bears they've been contacted. Now, you know, this is Mike Florio saying that uh, his sources are saying that somebody on behalf of Roquan has up the ante and started calling teams like, Hey, you know, it's not going to work here in Chicago. Come make a deal with the bears and then pay me. And you now this has really gotten messy within the last 72 hours where you thought it was just a hold in. And eventually they're going to come to numbers and terms, which they stay still may. But right now the odds are that, that that's a shrinking solution here, right? That it seems to be going the opposite way in a, in a quick hurry here. And the bears did take him off the uh, physically unable to perform. list. That means they could find him for every practice he misses. And they, they haven't done so yet. 
but he's yeah. still holding on. He's still on the sidelines of practice with his sunglasses on. So we'll talk to Mark Potash here in a couple of minutes. But that that you know preseason game number one, your guy Matt Nagy coming back with the Chiefs today and the Matt Nagy revenge game. My guy, um, yeah, your guy. Um, <laughs> you were always a big word salad guy. Um, but I mean, there are things to look at on the field, especially if Justin Fields going to be out there for the first twenty-five or fifteen to twenty snaps. But the bigger picture here is. How does Ryan Poles get out of this? You know, does he come to terms with a 25-year-old, very talented player? Or is this, you know, now because this has gotten so messy, if he were to trade Roquan Smith, is he taking a discount? I mean, are you going to get 70 cents on the dollar because the entire league knows what's going on there, right? And if they feel like you're in a position where you have to trade the guy, you're not getting the same value you might have right. been two weeks ago. Yeah, three one two three three two three seven seven six. I can't help but just think that him not having professional uh, representation has really screwed this up, and it's not going to come out favorable for anybody at this point. Yeah, no doubt. And and, and you know, people are now saying, uh, you know, social media. There there are people claiming that the Bears have had quote unquote had. Roquan Smith's back. He's an immature kid, and basically they, they've saved him from some situations, and he knows this. I mean, I don't know what that means. You know, it's it's all of a sudden people are throwing shade at Roquan Smith and, you know, and, and that they the Bears have protected him. You know, he was he, – he, you know, didn't show up at one point last season, and there was really no, ex, you know, excuse. No one came out and said he was hurt or anything else. But – there's no doubting his talent, but there are a lot of doubts about how this is being handled, maybe on both sides, because if the Bears are trying to backload a contract and not come up with the guaranteed money that a, a, a player of his talent and his point in his career should get, then you know maybe they're trying to be a little too cute. And certainly yep. Roquan Smith is not helping his own situation by being his own representation or having someone in the family you know, picking up the phone and calling you know, name the team, the Packers or the Kansas City Chiefs, whoever, right? Yep, yep. We're going to talk to Mark Potash of the Sun-Times uh, about this and about the first preseason game. Today, uh, kickoff at noon against the Kansas City Chiefs.